Good morning and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. May God bless you and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Hey, I have a little bit of a confession to make over the Christmas holidays and between Christmas and COVID. I've gained some weight. Now, one of the reasons I'm telling you that is because somebody told me last week that was not in the service who watched it online. They said, I could see your big old belly sticking out there. And I didn't like that. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm caught in between. Have you ever been in between? I, I got some, I got some regular clothes and I got some bigger clothes. You know what I'm talking about? And, and my regular clothes are too tight. And my bigger clothes are too loose. So if you see me fighting with my pants today, it's because I chose the bigger clothes. By the way, this is just me. This is just me. But no man ought to ever wear tight clothing. Come on, can I get an amen in the house? There's some place where you just draw the line. No, no, no. No. Get some suspenders if you have to. But don't wear tight clothing. Hey, listen, uh, I want to share with you today something that's very important and something that's very much in our faces right now. The title of the message today is Politics in America, What Should Christians Do? Now, we need to know how to respond in times like this, don't we? And I got to tell you, there's one thing that both the conservatives uh, and the liberals agree on. They, They both agree on this, that things are heating up in America right now. They are. I decided this past week that I would just kind of look up all the news articles I could find uh, just just the current news articles and just see what's being said on both sides of the aisle. Uh, the first one I read was this. Amid unrest, uh, excuse me, amid unrest, America is unrecognizable to its allies and, and the deep cleavages in the country are being laid bare before the world, drawing both worry and hope from abroad. Now, what's interesting is I read that, and yesterday I got a text from my good friend Sandor Angel from Cali, Columbia, that you hear me talking about a lot. And yesterday he texted me, and and he said, Pastor, I have a deep unrest in my soul about America, and I cannot pray for America without weeping. And and then we have uh, a dear friend, a pastor friend in Pakistan, uh, Pastor Akram, who's always praying for us. He prays for River of Life specifically, he and his church, and they're praying for our nation. And I just want to say, uh, Pastor Akram, as you watch this, that we love you. Thank you for your prayers. Keep praying for River of Life Church and keep praying for America. We desperately need it. And we love and appreciate you very much. One headline I read said this, a dangerous year in America enters its most dangerous month. Another headline says, this is the most dangerous time in decades to be an American. Another headline said, the enemy of the people, a dangerous time to tell the truth in America. My goodness. Here's one. Most dangerous time in America I've ever seen. 
What a way to start an article. Another said, dangerous, chilling times in America. And then this one, the most dangerous time in American history is now, right now. And then the last one is America's, America's dangerous transition is before us. Now, you've heard it said, we've all heard it said, that desperate times call for desperate measures. Well, child of God, please listen to me. Desperate times for Christians, when we see it, desperate times calls for us to get back to the Word of God and do exactly what the Word of God says we should do. We don't respond like the rest of the world. We return to the Word and we do what God's Word says do. Now, there are two things I'll share with you today. First of all, what we should never do. And then the second one will be what we should always do. Now, I want to begin by telling you a little story. This is kind of a funny story, but I heard it uh, last week, and it really did fit well with the message the Lord has put on my heart. But the story is told of Donald Trump going to a nursing home, visiting a nursing home. And it was a large nursing home, and and, and many of the elderly people gathered around him, and they were asking him questions and laughing. It was an exciting time. But President Trump noticed that there was one elderly man off to the side all by himself, and he thought, I'll walk over and speak to him. So he went over to this man, and he put his hand on his shoulder, and he said to him, he said, do you know who I am? The man looked at him and said, no, sir. But if you'll go to the front desk, I'm pretty sure they can tell you who you are. <laughs> Which brings me to this. I'm pretty sure we don't know who any of our politi politicians are. We don't really know our political leaders, do we? We know what we hear. We know what others want us to believe. But we don't know much about them, do we? Not at a distance. But I decided I'd make a list of all the things that I do know about all of our political leaders. This is my list. You may not agree with this, but I'll share it with you. They all make mistakes. All of them. They're just like us. They're all flawed. They have, all have feet of clay. They're all big talkers with big egos. If you can't talk, brag, and boast, you're probably not going to end up in Washington. They all promise more than they can deliver. They will all tell us that they have our best interest at heart. Here's the main one I wanted you to hear. None of them will ever be a qualified savior. There's not one savior on Capitol Hill. Not one. Not one of them can be trusted. Now hold on. Don't jump up and run out. Not one of them can be trusted. Not one of them should be trusted by us as Christians. And I would never make such a, a statement before this church if I couldn't back it up with the word of God. You see, that is what the Bible teaches. 
No man can be trusted. Man cannot be trusted. In fact, it goes beyond that. It doesn't just tell us that we should not trust a man. The Bible tells us that if we put our trust in a man, it will bring a curse on us individually. That's strong language, isn't it? Here it is. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Read that line that begins with cursed. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Now, I hear people all the time say, you know, uh, the Bible's just too complicated. I just can't understand it. Would somebody please tell me how we could miss that? Cursed is the man who trusts in man. If you put your trust in a man, you're bringing a curse on yourself. You're probably bringing a curse on your family. And by the way, any church that puts its trust in a man is bringing a curse on that church. That's just out of order. That's not biblical. That's not the way it, it should be. Now, it doesn't have to just be politics. It, it can be church. It can be on your job. It can be wherever you are. No matter who you are around. When you put your trust in a man, you're on a bad road. And good things will not happen. Every now and then I will run into somebody. I'm sure many of you have had the same experience where I will talk to someone. And they will say to me after I invite them to come to church. They will say, I am not coming to your church. I'm not going to any church because I put my trust in some spiritual leader. And they let me down. Now, I've never actually said this, but so help me. I want to say this. I want to look at them and say, no, they did not let you down. You let you down when you made the tragic mistake of putting your trust in a man. You don't do that. That just does not work. Did you see the part in that verse? Pull it back up and just leave the verse up just for a moment. It says, whose heart turns away from the Lord. See, you can't have it both ways. The moment you choose to put your trust in a man, your heart is turning away from the Lord. You either trust in a man or you trust in the Lord. And, and, and I got to tell you, I, I'm not saying we should be ugly. I think we should pray for people. I think we should be kind to them. I think we should minister to them. I think we should try to lift them up. Uh, there's all kinds of things we can do. There's over 50 reciprocal commands in the word of God where we're to love one another, care for one another, build one another up. They can do all of that. But listen to me. When you put your trust in a man, when it goes to the level of trust, then you are turning away. From the Lord your God. Now I know this is strong language church. But I'm sorry. I've got to preach to you what God has put on my heart. You are turning away from the Lord. You say no man. No man. No woman. No person. Love everybody. Pray for everybody. Help everybody you can. When it's in your power do good. Be a positive person. But don't ever put your trust in a man. You say pastor what about you? <laughs> I absolutely don't ever put your trust in me. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. If you think I'm all that and more, just talk to my wife. 
That's all you got to do. She, she, she can solve that. Don't trust me. I disappoint myself all the time. If I disappoint me, I know I'll disappoint you. But I want to be busy about the business of pointing you to the one who will never disappoint you. He'll never disappoint me. Now, somebody walked up to me in the first service and said, you need to add this in, so I'm going to add it in. (laughs) That's the advantage of having two services. So I'm going to add this in. You can love me. You can pray for me. You can help me. And you can even follow me as long as I follow Christ and stay in the word of God. But don't ever put your trust in me or anybody else. You see, that's, that's not how it works. God says, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Now, did you notice that statement that it says, and makes flesh his strength? Now, now what that means is this, his confidence and strength and, and, and courage and sense of protection is in what he thinks another man will do for him. I, I hear it all the time, especially around election time, and it is amazing how many Christians buy into what we're hearing on television. It, uh, not just amazing, I think it's shameful. He's the man. He's the one. He's the one who will keep us safe. He's the one who will protect us. He's the one who will deliver us. He's the one who will fix what's wrong in our world. Well, friends, when that happens, you are bringing a curse on yourself and you are on a road to a very bad place. Very bad place. Can I share with you how bad? Okay, thank you. Next verse, not somewhere else in the Bible. Next verse, cursed is the man who trusts in man. The next verse, Jeremiah 17, 6 says, he is like a shrub in the desert. Who is he? The man who trusts in man. He's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. I've never been to an uninhabited salt land, but that doesn't sound like a good place. The man who trusts in man, this is a description of where he's going to end up, his journey down. Now, that's strong biblical language, isn't it? But what it's doing is it's telling us, don't put your trust in a man. Don't, don't. Put your trust in a political party led by a man. Don't put your trust in anybody, even on a spiritual basis. I want to tell you, uh, we should learn from each other, encourage one another. But if you make somebody, even in spiritual realms, if you make somebody your hero, you're headed for some barren salt flats. You're headed for some bad places. Just, we, we are not supposed to do that. And then notice what it says right here. It says, shall not see any good come. You see, friends, when you put your trust in man, you are not going to a good place. Good will not come out of that. Uh, it, it's uh, n- no good. 
In fact, you'll find disappointment after disappointment after disappointment when you put your faith and trust in a man. Any man. It's like a, it's like a domino effect of disappointments. I've seen people, I've been around people who, who just keep putting their faith and trust in people and they keep getting hurt. And over and over, they're disappointed. It, it's, it, it just doesn't work. Every four years, I hear it, you hear it. We should all be sick of it. <clears throat> I hear both political parties attacking one another. You know, do you, if you vote for that party, America's going to fall apart at the seams. If you want to save America, vote for me. I'm the one who can save America. And then the other party fires back and they say, oh, if you vote for that party, they'll strip you of your rights and your liberties and they will, and if you vote for them, it'll be, it'll be the most tragic mistake you've ever made. We hear it, don't we? Friends, the most tragic mistake you will ever make in your life is to put your trust in either one of those political parties. That's just not the way we do it. That's not what the Bible calls us to do. We're called back to the Word of God. And you don't do that. Now, if you want to know, do I vote? Yes, I do vote. If you want to know how I vote, I think this message is so so forceful and so in your face that it kind of, It has an intimidating effect. In the first service, when I said, is there anybody here who wants to know how I voted? Nobody said a word, and a woman in the back, just one woman raised her hand. (laughs) Just one. I said, ma'am, I'm going to tell you how I voted. I want you to know how I vote. In fact, you can always know how I vote. I vote for the political party that comes closest to the word of God, that lines up to the word of God. That's how I vote. But I don't trust them. In fact, most of the time, I don't even like them. You say, Pastor, how could you vote for somebody you don't trust and you don't like? Well, friends, if I've got to trust them and like them, I would never vote for anybody. Nobody. I'd just step aside. So I don't have anything better. That's what I vote for. But listen, I'll tell you who I trust. I trust the one who said he would never leave me nor forsake me. The one who said he would never forget me. I trust the one who died on Calvary's cross to pay my sin debt. I trust the one who is in heaven making intercession for me, hearing my faintest cry when I call out to him. That's the one I trust. I was thinking about Washington, D.C., And I've decided that this is the man I'll trust when he shows up in Washington, D.C. If a man shows up in Washington, D.C. and he's been born of a virgin. He's lived a sinless life. He performs miracles with the words of his mouth. He dies on a cruel cross to pay for all my sins and all my mistakes. Three days later, he gets up and walks out of that grave alive. 
ascends back into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he's constantly making intercession for me. When that man shows up in Washington, I'm in. I'm in. I'll put my trust in him. But you know as well as I do, there's only one man who has ever done all of that. And he's the one I trust. And he's the one I will keep trusting. And I encourage you to do the same. Now, Jeremiah says, cursed is the man who trusts in man. But he goes on. He doesn't stop. The very next thing he says is, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Here it is. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. See, he doesn't just trust in the Lord. The Lord is his trust. He's in fully, completely. His faith has taken him in to a complete relationship with the Lord, where the Lord is his trust. And then this is what it says. The Bible says he's like a a tree planted by the water. And by the way, when the Bible says we're like trees, that's usually a good thing. He's like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Listen, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, friends, that's pretty graphic, isn't it? Listen, let's go over that list. No fear. He doesn't fear when things heat up and get difficult. He remains green. That means he's very much alive, even in drought. He's not anxious. He remains confident and calm, and he does not cease to bear fruit. Now, that's a good place to be, isn't it? Don't you want to be there? Well, what the Bible is saying is, if you put your trust in man, you're headed toward a wasteland. But if you put your trust in God, then you're you're headed for a wonderful place. You're headed for a place of no fear, uh, much life, confidence, calm, and fruitfulness. This is what the Bible says. Listen, those are good things. And I'm just asking you, friends, because the world doesn't offer any of this stuff. But, and, and I just want to stop and say, if you're not sure whether you're saved or not, please listen to me. There is a place of no fear. There's a place of abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There is a place of perfect calm and confidence. The Bible says he will keep him in perfect peace whose confidence and trust is in him. And friends, there's a place of fruitfulness on an ongoing basis, fruitfulness. You can have that, but the only way you can have that is when you say yes to Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit begins to tug at your heart. And child of God, you've been there before. Those of you who know you're saved, you've been there before. Stop letting the enemy drag you away from the life God meant for you to have. That is is so, so important. Now. Very quickly, I want to tell you what we should always do. And this takes us to the New Testament. And it's 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. We should never put our trust in men. 
this is what we should always do. Here it is. First of all, then, this is the first thing. This is priority number one. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. You see, one of the things we should be doing constantly, always, is praying for people around us and praying for everybody that we know. Now, notice verse 2. It says, for kings and all who are in high positions. That's pretty specific, isn't it? You know who that's talking about right there? That's talking about Donald Trump. That's talking about Mike Pence. That's talking about Joe Biden. That's talking about Kamala Harris. That's talking about Nancy Pelosi. That's talking about Mitch McConnell. That's talking about Chuck Schumer. And many more. You pray for them. You pray for them. You lift them up. You pour your heart out to the Lord for them. I've actually, some of the names I've just shared with you, I have breathed those names, and I've had Christian people say, before I can even begin to talk with them, I've had Christian people say, I hate that woman. I hate that man. Child of God, I want to rebuke you just for a moment. Have you fallen and slipped so far away from the word of God that you've landed in a cesspool of political hatred and you've bought into the ways of the world? Have you slipped that far? If you have, ask God to forgive you and get back on board and do what God's word says do. You pray for them. You don't hate them. You pray for them. You lift them up. Uh, By the way, if the devil has highlighted somebody up in Washington and caused you to hate that person, move them to the top of your prayer list. Just start praying for them. Send them a letter and let let them know you're praying for them. And not any mean prayers either. I've heard some people pray some mean prayers. I'm praying you'll get out of your backslidden state and that you'll quit rebelling against. No. No. Don't do that. Pray for them. Isn't it time that we act like the Bible tells us to act? Listen, don't get caught up in the ungodly politics of our world. God's got something better for us. Now, let's keep reading. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions. Now here's the neat thing. Do you know why we should pray for all those people I named a moment ago? There's a reason. Here it is. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. God wants us to live peaceful, quiet, godly, dignified lives. That's God's plan for us. Pray for them so you can live that way. Now you say, well, how does that work? Well, it works like this. God's still in control, folks. He's still got the whole world in his hands. He's still the commander-in-chief 
And when Christians stop acting like the world and start doing what God's Word says do, and we start praying for all of those folks up in Washington and everywhere else, when we start praying for them, God moves in and starts doing a work in and through them, whether they even know it or not. But the objective is so that we can live peaceful, quiet, godly, dignified lives. That's what God wants. Now, here's a question. Why is it that God wants us to live peaceful, quiet, godly, and dignified lives? Well, the answers are here in the text. Look at verse 3. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, friends, the Democrats have an agenda, and the Republicans have an agenda. But Christians should know this. God has an agenda. And his agenda is for souls to be saved, for lives to be changed, for us to shine in the darkness so that more people can come to the knowledge of the truth. And friends, I want to tell you, when you're out there protesting and acting like the rest of the world, you are not drawing anybody to Christ. You know when people, you know when people want what we've got? This is when people want what we have, when they look at us and they see peaceful, quiet, godly, dignified lives. When they see that you have something that nobody else in the world has. That's how you win people to Christ. You see, friends, we pray for our leaders because God tells us to do it, but we pray for them so that we can live those kind of lives. Please, I, I beg of you, don't get caught up in the ungodliness of politics. Trust in the Lord. Pray fervently for our leaders. And just put your faith in God. I, I want to I put two words up on the board, and I'd like for you to choose from one of these words. I'd like for you to choose one for yourself. I'd like for you to adopt it. Here it is. Pull these two words up. Protest or prayer? Prayer. Prayer. The world, the world's all caught up in protest. You say, oh, pastor, some great things have happened in America because people protested. No, friends. If that were true, we'd be in a lot better shape than we are right now. We just get another agenda thrown at us. No, not protest, but prayer. There are people in America, in fact, it's happening right now, who call themselves Christians and they'll drive thousands of miles to Washington to protest when they will not go down to their local church and get on their knees and pray with praying people. We're off course. And I fear that the church needs a correction. Prayer. We're to pray. I, I, I want to... I want to go back and just pull up before you uh, what we said a while ago. Here, pull it up. Peaceful, quiet, godly lives, dignified in every way. Would you read that with me? Peaceful, quiet, godly lives, dignified in every way. One more time. Peaceful, quiet, godly lives, dignified in every way. Right out of the word of God. That's what God wants out of us. That's what we are to be doing. I, I'm, I, I'm just pleading with you as a church. I believe this is a church. I, I tell you this. I want to compliment you. 
I believe this is a church. I know it's a church like no other church I've ever pastored, but here's what I believe. I believe this is a church that will embrace the word of God even if it goes against everything you've ever thought in the past. If God's word says it, that settles it, right? It is the full and final word in life and eternity, the word of God. And, and, and I believe that this will change Wakala County. I believe it will change families. I believe people will get saved. I'm trying to say, stop letting the world pull you away from the word of God and turn your heart toward the Lord, trust in him, pray for your leaders, and expect God to bring to pass in your life just what we've said right here. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Would you ask the Lord to just remove everything from you that has to do with protesting, that's, that's not the answer. Let's, let's pray. In fact, in just a few moments, when we get ready to close this service, we're going to actually get on our knees, we, uh, those of you who can. And, and we're going to do just that. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for our nation before we leave here. We're, gonna, we, we're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to ask God to take over, to take charge, to lead, to guide, to bless to redeem, to be uh, uh, the Lord of America. And we put it in his hands and we leave it there. And we just keep praying. We keep praying. But I want to ask you, before we do that, I want to give an invitation. If there's somebody here and you're not absolutely sure that you'd go to heaven if you died today, would you meet me down front? Would you say, Pastor, you know, I've walked down the aisle. I'm just not sure. I want to know for sure that I'm a child of God, that I'm saved, that I'm going to heaven. If you're here and you know you're a child of God and you need to find your place at this altar, just come bow at this altar and just say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to do it your way. I've tried it my way. I, I, I don't want to be one of those who's always protesting. I want to be one of those who's always praying because I believe your word and I believe it works. Would you just very reverently stand with me? Father, in Jesus' name, go ahead and stand to your feet. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm asking that you bless, that decisions will be made, lives will be changed. I pray, Father, that we will stand corrected by the word of God. I, I pray, Father, that, that uh, the truths we've looked at today will bring us back into proper alignment with the word of God with the word of God. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here and this is salvation day for them, Lord, let them take that stand. Give them that courage. Woo them and draw them with the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's somebody that needs to rededicate and get things right with you and get back on path, Lord, may this altar be a place where they have a personal encounter with you. Bless us now, Lord, as we go into this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.